This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Intel appears to be doubling down on its key research and development sites in Oregon, with plans to spend billions of dollars expanding its computer chip factories in Washington County. I'm Elliot News, and this is Beat Check with The Oregonian. Mike Rogaway, who covers the tech industry for The Oregonian and Oregon Live, broke the news of Intel's plans earlier this month. He's here today to talk about the company's big investment in Oregon and the challenges ahead for Intel, which happens to be the state's biggest corporate employer. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks, Elliot. So how did Intel's expansion plans come to light? So we'll go back in time a little bit to the last legislative session, uh, eager to cash in on on some of the federal $52 billion in Federal Chips Act money that Congress approved last year, eager to restore uh, Oregon's leadership in the, the chip industry, which is one of Oregon's economic anchors. Uh, lawmakers passed uh, about a half a billion dollars in incentives for the industry. That included $250 million in grants and loans, uh, direct subsidies to the industry. Uh, the governor, if and, and that $250 million is, is more or less at the discretion, can be used at the discretion of the governor and her economic development staff with the caveat that they have to notify lawmakers if they're granting more than $50 million, they have to give to one company, they have to give the legislature 30 days notice. And in theory, the legislature could come back in session and, and, you know, uh, get in and turn that down and say, no, governor, you can't do this. As a practical matter, that's not likely to happen, but it's a safeguard built into the legislation. So anyway, uh, uh, Lawmakers uh, got that notice from the governor that she was at the very end of last month, at the very end of July, that she was preparing to award this $90 million incentive to Intel. But it didn't really say anything about what was in there. And and we saw that, too. So uh, immediately I called the Oregon Department of Environmental Quality and the Hillsborough Planning Department to see if they had any information about what Intel was going to use this $90 million for. Uh, the planning department hadn't gotten any any submissions or any pre-application conferences or anything, any indication of what Intel might be thinking. Uh, but the Department of Environmental Quality had. They had quietly in July, Intel had submitted an 1,100-page pa- uh, filing detailing a major expansion to its D1X research factory in Hillsboro, there's been three phases to that. This would be a fourth phase, what Intel calls Mod 4. And then they also had uh, an upgrade to one of the older factories uh, at Intel's original campus in Aloha. Uh, D1A is what it's now called. And so that was that was that clued us in that something big was indeed afoot. You don't you don't put together an 1100 page environmental filing unless you're you're planning something major and certainly a mod 4 
uh, fourth phase to this D1X research factory near Hillsborough Stadium, that would be at minimum a, a multi-billion dollar project. And what do we know about uh, what, what they have planned? What's, uh, what's detailed in these 1,100 pages? Well, that's a good question. Uh, they're, they're really focused on the environmental side of things because it is an application for, for environmental permitting. And so it's a little vague on the specifics. There are no architectural drawings or things like that in there. There are a couple telling things in there. Uh, one is it gives us some hint as to Intel's timetable. They talked about they talked about components being manufactured for the project between uh, 2025 and 2028. So it suggests that the timing of the project is probably a couple of years off yet, which isn't strange uh, in pre- prior phases that had been we, we had some advance notice uh, before Intel started because with a major project like this, ramping up construction takes a while, and the actual construction process takes years. So that time frame sort of fits. Uh, what was most interesting was that Intel described uh, a major increase in the pollutants associated with the project. Greenhouse gases, uh, the, the threshold for the greenhouse gases they'd be allowed to admit under the new permit would double and many other pollutants would increase substantially or could increase substantially as well. What's not clear as we read it is whether or not that's because Intel is making a massive expansion in its production capacity and its output at these facilities, or whether it's changing its manufacturing technology in some way that requires more pollutants, or whether it is some that this moves Intel into the the permit would move Intel into a the category of a major source uh, for pollutants under federal guidelines. And it may be something related to that, that the permit threshold just goes up with that. And so those are things we haven't been able to discern yet and and may not until the permitting process moves further down the road. And outside of these sort of uh, bureaucratic channels, Intel has said very little about these plans, right? Yeah, that's that's true. Uh, You know, Intel didn't really have anything to say uh, about our initial report. But then their vice president for government affairs a week later put out a, a, a little essay on the company's website celebrating the anniversary of the Federal Chips Act. That's the $52 billion that we, we mentioned earlier. And he mentioned big projects that Intel plans in Arizona, Ohio, and also Oregon. And Intel hadn't disclosed that publicly before, but it was like eleven paragraphs down in his in his um, in his little essay, and so we called Intel and said, "Well, what's what's up with this?" And it's a weird way to announce a massive expansion is eleven paragraphs down into an essay, you know, deep on the company's website. And they said, you know, this is a proposal. This is something we're looking to do, but we're not ready to formally announce it yet. Uh, you know, I, I, it may be that they figured the cat was out of the bag after our, our article and they felt there's no sense in pretending they don't plan this. It may also be that there are some variables that we haven't seen yet or that we're not privy to that might suggest whether or not in, that may have some bearing on whether or when Intel proceeds. It may have something to do with Federal Chips Act funding. It may have something to do with Oregon's own incentives 
or it may have something to do with Intel's own business prospects. Speaking of those big new factories elsewhere, um, those uh, factories that Intel has announced in Ohio and Arizona are much, much bigger than what's proposed here in Oregon. Uh, those are where the company plans to um, churn out chips at a sort of massive scale uh, to uh, power many of the world's PCs and servers. What is the role that Oregon's facilities play in Intel's manufacturing process? Yeah, so Intel is in the process of this massive building boom. They, you know, with government support in the United States, you know, federal subsidies as well as state subsidies in Arizona and Ohio, and then huge subsidies from the European Union uh, and from Israel. Intel is building new factories in all those locations, and these run about ten billion dollars apiece. The Intel in the chip industry calls these wafer fabrication uh, plants or fabs. So they have these fabs, you know, two in Arizona, two in Ohio, and one each in Germany and Israel. Uh, these are the high volume manufacturing sites. This is where Intel turns out, the, as you say, the, the the mass quantities of their their chips. Here in Oregon, Intel does make those chips as well, but they make the first iteration of it. It's where they develop their manufacturing process and. Semiconductor manufacturing, each step forward, each advance in semiconductor manufacturing is an extremely complicated process. Historically, that's because the features on computer chips have been so incredibly tiny. It, you know, some of them are near the atomic scale that it takes a lot of effort, many years of development, and then you know a, a year or two of, of perfecting the process once you settle on, on a particular path uh, to turn them out. So what Intel does is in Oregon, they they perfect their recipe, essentially, for making a new class of chips that perform better, that are more efficient, that have tinier features, or that use uh, a new architecture or new materials to improve performance. And once they have, the, the initial runs of those have a certain number of defects that you know make the, those chips useless. Once they have the manufacturing process down enough that there aren't many defects, or at least there's an acceptable number of defects, that they um, that they don't have to throw out most of the chips they make, then they exactly duplicate that process in the factories elsewhere. Intel calls this process copy exactly, and it is extremely precise uh, down to the the atmosphere inside the factories in in other states and other countries. It's to be calibrated to exactly match the the atmosphere in Hillsboro. So it's it comes out uh, precisely the same. And so Intel's got something like 2,000 PhDs in Hillsborough, 22,000 Washington County employees altogether. And these are, are really the brains of the outfit. You know, they, they have a lot of roles in Oregon, but, but the, you know, the crown jewel of what they do here is these highly advanced researchers who are, are working on each new generation of, of computer chip. And, and many generations into the future. And we mentioned the expansion in the United States, but Intel is also expanding elsewhere, right? Yeah, yeah. They they have uh, factories in, in Poland. Or, well, they have these fabs. They have them in Germany and Israel coming, and then they have one in Poland uh, that's coming along too that's going to be assembly and test. It's less sophisticated than the other factories, but the European Union and, and, and Poland really wanted this as well, sort of move move technology uh, more deeply into, integrate uh, 
manufacturing technology more deeply into the fabric of the, the European Union's economy. So even though Intel is spending a lot of money to grow right now, the company is a bit on the defensive. Why is that? It's, it's been a bad several years for Intel technologically. And this goes back to CEOs there. Um, you know, 2017 timeframe, it became apparent that Intel was having trouble with its manufacturing process, that it wasn't keeping up the two-year cadence that Intel calls TikTok uh, of, of advances, exponential advances in computing power and its chips. And there are various explanations for, for why it failed. Part of it was probably around the choice of manufacturing technology it used. Probably part of it was around all the features that it was hoping to pack into its chips. Uh, it was probably trying to do too much. And part of it was just the incredible success of Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company, uh, TSMC, the Taiwanese-based company that's become the world's most advanced and largest chip maker over the last few years. And they have put Intel on the, on the defensive, as you say, because most chip companies, whether it's NVIDIA or Qualcomm or Apple, don't make their own chips. They don't manufacture their chips. They, they engineer them. They come up with what they want in the chip, but then they outsource them to a contract manufacturer to make them. And because TSMC has the most advanced manufacturing process, uh, their their business is booming and they're enabling features that are are unavailable uh, elsewhere. Now, Intel saw what was happening at TSMC. Intel historically felt that integrating its its chip engineering and manufacturing enabled it to move more quickly than other companies in developing new manufacturing technologies. That hasn't kept up in the past few years, certainly, and Intel could see what TSMC was doing. So they want to become a contract manufacturer themselves. In addition to making chips for themselves, they would make chips for others. Uh, This is called the foundry business by the chip industry. Uh, Pat Gelsinger, when he was hired in 2021, this was one of the first initiatives that he outlined. This was one of his key priorities is we're going to get into the foundry business. Intel had tried that before, several years before, and, and and it didn't go anywhere. This time, Gelsinger said, you know, I'm going to hire somebody who reports directly to me. We're definitely going to make this work. And that's a big part of what's responsible for all these new factories Intel wants to build. They want to have the capacity to make large quantities of chips for other companies, for Intel's own rivals. Uh, but it, it's gone slowly. They haven't announced any big new cu- customers yet. And they had a deal to buy a, a foundry, a smaller one called Tower Semiconductor. And it, it fell apart last week uh, because there was a deadline to complete the deal and Chinese regulators wouldn't sign off on it. That it may be that China had some legitimate antitrust concerns about putting too much manufacturing capacity in one place, or it could be that China is not inclined to do any favors to American technology companies at a time when China and the United States are really at odds over technology and how each country develops it, develops it. And certainly the United States has put many restrictions on sales to China and the use of Chinese technology. This may have been China's way to retaliate. In any event, it's, it's definitely a setback for Intel's own foundry efforts. And it sort of leaves the company 
Well, still without a major without a major win. Intel has hinted that they will be announcing a customer at some point in the future. Uh, they haven't yet. Now, one other key element, and this ties in some way to the the foundry business, is that the chip industry has is is changing fairly rapidly as peop, as artificial intelligence emerges. Uh, one of the things Pat Gelsinger has, has told us in our interviews with him is, is that when he got to Intel, it was clear to him that the company was lagging in its development of artificial intelligence technology. And the company that isn't lagging at all is NVIDIA, a longtime Intel rival that has specialized for many years in making super powerful chips for very specific applications. Their CEO is, is Jensen Huang, grew up, who grew up in Oregon and uh, went to Aloha High School and and graduated from Oregon State. Well, he lives in Silicon Valley now, and he's made AI a priority for some years. And with the advent of ChatGPT and other AI technologies that are are clearly more effective, then they've made a, an enormous leap in in the last generation. Uh, there's enormous demand for for these chips, and all that business is going to Nvidia right now at Intel's expense. I think what Intel hopes, in addition to eventually developing its own AI capacity, is that NVIDIA may want some want not to rely entirely on TSMC to make these artificial intelligence chips. And Intel has some cause for optimism on that. Uh, Jensen Huang has said publicly that he likes Intel's manufacturing process and roadmap, and what he's seen from it is encouraging. Now, Huang may just be trying to keep Intel, trying to keep TSMC honest and say, hey, give me a good price and make sure I have manufacturing capacity or else I'm going to walk across the street to Intel uh, and have them make my chips. Or he may legitimately feel that Intel's roadmap is good and that that will be a good option for them for for manufacturing the chips. Uh, Contract manufacturing, the foundry business is, is less profitable than making than engineering and making your own chips. But at this point, Intel doesn't have the luxury of of making that choice. They need to fill these new factories and any foundry business they can get would would be great. So Intel hasn't managed to convince everyone that it's on the right path here. Um, But what do we know from the company's financials? Well, uh, people were really shocked at the end of last year and beginning of this year Intel's results were were bad and much worse than people expected. Intel was suffering both from the technological shortcomings we've discussed and from the fact that uh, the PC market and to a degree the data center market had really slowed up coming into the year. Everyone who needed a new PC kind of bought one during the pandemic. And so there was a lot of inventory on the shelves and computer manufacturers weren't buying as many new chips as, as Intel had hoped. So Intel slipped into the red. They were losing money, uh, and it it was a, a for it was a, a difficult period. You know, the company laid off employees. They haven't said how many, but they laid some off, um, and they actually cut everyone's pay as well as well as cutting their shareholder dividend. So all those things bad for morale, bad for the company's you know future business prospects. In uh, when they reported their their spring earnings last month, it there was some indication that Intel had bottomed out. You know, sales were up modestly; they were back in the black. Uh, it was a better performance than than Wall Street had expected, but not a great performance. Just just better than they'd expected. 
So there's continu continues to be a lot of skepticism about Intel's roadmap, its ability to maintain technological, to recapture technological leadership with its chips. Um, but Intel did say that it was going to give stock grants to employees to compensate them for the pay cuts it made earlier this year. Some employees I talked to interpreted that as a sign of confidence in the company's second hot prospects that they feel they're in a position to start paying employees back for the losses they took at the beginning of the year. So there are, there are some, as Pat Gelsinger likes to say, green shoots uh, emerging. But at this point, you know, Intel's, Intel's future is, you know, it's still, you know, the company isn't in abysmal shape, but the idea of it maintaining, uh, reclaiming a, a commanding position, you know, appears fairly bleak. You know, just just this past week, there have been some positive indications about Intel's roadmap that that perhaps it's delivering some of what it had promised from its its forthcoming generations of technology. What they call, I believe, Intel Four. They've changed the the name the way they name their chips, and it's gotten very confusing. But I believe they call it Intel Four. I think there is some feeling that those are comparable in terms of their capabilities to what TSMC is offering. That would be a very positive sign for Intel. So Intel is trying to dig its way out of a technological hole. Um, it is spending many billions of dollars, uh, you know, trying to uh, ramp up its uh, uh, its research and development and its manufacturing, uh, trying to explore these new lines of business in uh, contract foundry uh, chip manufacturing. For Oregon and for Oregonians, how much is riding on Intel's success? It's difficult to overstate Intel's importance to Oregon's economy. Uh, not only are they the, state, they're the state's largest corporate employer, as we said, with the 22,000 employees, but there's an enormous ecosystem of contractors that install and service their equipment. Beyond that, every time they build a new factory, they summon thousands of, of construction workers, contractors, pipe fitters, electricians, to to build out these enormous facilities, these multi-billion-dollar facilities, so their semiconductors are Oregon's largest export. Most of that is Intel. Uh, this is our this is our industry. We talk about the Silicon Forest. It's a, it's invisible to Oregonians. I, I, at at the time that timber was our our main industry, I think it was fairly easy for Oregonians to identify you know, timber's importance. You look anywhere around the state, you see the trees, you drive around the state, you could see the mills, uh, you have a real visceral sense of what was at work. Well, semiconductor manufacturing all takes place in research labs, clean rooms, that not only, you know, do they not let, not only can you not go in there because it could contaminate the chips, but Intel doesn't want to show anybody what's inside because they don't want to give any tips to competitors about the manufacturing process that Intel is pursuing that they might be able to discern from looking at the tools or the layout of the fab or things like that. So it's opaque to most of us. But this, this is Oregon's signature industry. It's enormously important uh, to the state's economy. And, and Oregon's fortunes are, are really closely tied to Intel. As I say, Intel's not falling apart. They're not falling off a cliff. But they are playing from behind right now. And and. And that's weak uh, and does raise questions about Oregon's long-term future. That, Elliot, that's why uh, a year, a year and a half ago, when Intel announced that it was expanding 
building brand new factories in Ohio and opening research there in conjunction with Ohio State University. That's why that was so alarming to Oregon policymakers and business leaders. Intel had previously had negligible operations in Ohio, and there was a feeling that, well, there's a potential that this could leak away from Oregon over decades. You know, it wasn't going to happen overnight, but over time, we could lose that. If there is a Mod 4 built on this fourth phase to D1X, that suggests Intel is committed to keeping Oregon the head of the center of its technological research indefinitely for many, many years to come. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's a lot riding on, on how this plays out. Well, thank you, Mike, for coming on the show. Yeah. Good talk to you, Elliot. We'll put some links to Mike Rogway's coverage in the show description, and you can also find coverage of Intel at OregonLive.com slash Intel. And thanks for listening to Beat Check with the Oregonian. If you like the show, give us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. It helps people find the show and tell a friend, help spread the word. The best way to support our journalism and journalism like this is with a subscription to The Oregonian and Oregon Live. You can do that at OregonLive.com slash pod support. Until next time.